What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Night Off. I am Alex. I am joined by my two best friends and co-hosts, Walsh and Derek. Walsh, how you doing tonight? Doing good. Yeah. Doing Derek? good. How you yeah. going? Yeah. Doing pretty good. Uh, last time we were all together, we were uh, hanging out, talking our history of wrestling, you know, our sort of familiarity with it when we were kids, little bit of where we're at now. Um, I wanted to jump back into kind of where we left off with where we separated from following wrestling in general, and I wanted to pick us up where we got back into it, sort of like what drew us back into it uh, over time. Now, I know whilst you're kind of always somewhat tangentially familiar with what's going on with wrestling just with the people around you. Yep, that is... (laughs) I am surrounded by people who know way more on the subject than me and are like, yeah, but we're going to watch it. Like, all right, you're going to have to explain what the fuck is going on. (laughs) And Derek, you're a bit more like me where you're like, you were completely unaware of what was going on. I think I came back in uh, quite a bit earlier than you did, but still like we're in that same wheelhouse of like, we lost complete interest for a while there. And then we're just starting to get back into it in the past couple of years. Yeah, I dropped off, like I said last time, uh, during the right kind of right after the Benoit incident. And it really wasn't until you had me watch uh, AEW where I decided to kind of start watching wrestling again because it reinvigorated my, my joy of wrestling. Yeah, that was uh, All Out 2021, I want to say, was the pay-per-view where I was like, you were coming over to my house anyway. I was just like, Derek. And you just sit down. I need you to help me out here and watch this because I think I want to watch wrestling again because wrestling's cool. <laughs> I I mean I specifically remember like Young Bucks was an immediate standout for me. Uh, Chris Jericho, obviously. Yeah. Um, Orange Cassidy, another one. I mean, there's there's just so many on the roster, especially back at that time. It was just immediate draw. Just immediate draw. It was immediate draw, and I think specifically, like, the Bucks, that was their cage match against the Lucha Brothers on that pay-per-view. And that was just... It was. Some next-level violence. (laughs) It was insane. It was insane. I mean, you had the... I believe that was the... uh, uh, The amazing kicks that had uh, tax in it. Yep. And that split open... uh, 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 what's his, I'm sorry. I, yeah, it was it split open his face. It was either Penta or Ray Phoenix, one of the two. We've got two. It was one of the two. We got fifty fifty shot of getting it right. Yeah, exactly. But uh, that <laughs> was, it was just an amazing match. Yeah, it really. Uh, I think that's what kind of cemented it for me. Was just like being pulled back in so like what i remember mm-hmm. about falling into wrestling like during its peak during like the attitude era like the high times so to speak of when it was at its like most powerful but i think that also like kind of drew me into watching it on a regular basis again because mm-hmm. like in the in-between time like i heard about things here or there like checked out a uh, couple of things when they made circulation around the internet because there was sometime in like the late two twenty tens where uh Matt Hardy was making noise on the internet with his uh broken Matt Hardy character, which I will revisit at some point in the future of like his uh TNA run because it's just the most bizarre Matt Hardy I think I've ever seen with his broken fragmented way of speaking, his choice of words, his vocabulary is so bizarre. <laughs> And he has, like, all these skits on the Family Hardy compound that are just so weird. It's almost avant-garde how bizarre it is and somehow it's related to wrestling. Yeah, it was kind of wild to watch some of that. Um, I almost thought it was, like, a mental breakdown at first before I realized it was just a bit. Yeah. I mean, he was selling the idea of he was actually mentally fragmented, which, you know, I'm all for. It, it was creative. I mean, It was. I wouldn't say it was, like, peak creativity by any means, but <laughs> I wouldn't say it's really something that you would want to 
you know, put on like you're acting real. But it was interesting. I mean, oh, yeah. That's kind of like the heart. Well, it made you hungry out. for his... I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say, it, it makes you hungry to see his brother Yeah, in it as well. Like, it was just wild. Yeah, and like, that, the Hardys have always been those guys who are, like, they're very talented. Or they, they're talented as long as their bodies cooperate with them. True. Because they've True. beaten the crap out of themselves so much over the years. But they've always had, like, this strange uh, creativity about them. Like, uh, Matt's character in TNA when he was uh, Willow, which is mm-hmm. another thing I'm going to have to add to the list, because if you're not familiar with it, it's it's bad. It's, it's just bad. Like, <laughs> we're talking, like, B-movie, like, not quite, like, a sla- serial killer type of like slasher film it's just like it's a college art student's idea of like a character in my opinion it's it's weird it's him at his <laughs> most weird it it's so hard to describe and put in the words without seeing it because mm-hmm. he's got this mask this makeup the way he says his own name is disturbing <laughs> and it, like it doesn't get over <laughs> with the crowd really at all and it even has like he got a custom championship belt made for the character too. And I mean, you had to go all out. Yeah, I think it wrapped up with uh, somebody else wearing the gimmick gear, multiple people, and attacking himself. It's very confusing. <laughs> There's a like a what? he like he was getting the like multiverse stuff way before Marvel's MCU ever was. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll have to watch that then. Yeah, that's pretty great. Um, but yeah, uh, those were really kind of like the things that kind of like picked up my attention, like, you know, in the in-between years, so to speak. Cause like, if you go to like WWE, like John Cena was everywhere for a long period of time, just from, I would say his work outside of WWE. Like, you know, you heard about like the Make-A-Wish stuff for years about him, like, just donating all of his time, you know, breaking records with, you know, poor, sick kids. But I don't remember about hearing, you know, like, any WrestleManias in that time period. Like, sort of speak, like, Dark Ages, like, after they went PG. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the the legends during that time were all really focusing on their uh, acting careers. So, you're seeing many of them pursue different projects. I mean, I think during that time, wasn't Brock Lesnar in uh, uh, MMA during yeah. that time in the UFC? Yeah, I think he so. Was, at least during some point in there, like he was a UFC championship winner, and yeah. he carried that belt too. Uh, and I think CM Punk was also in MMA during that time, shortly. Yeah, uh, that was, I want to say sometime after like 2014. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think yeah, really- so, I mean, this was like a time where I think people were trying new projects out. There was kind of a lull point going on overall. Um, you're coming off of, like, the like the time where a lot of the women wrestlers were more models than wrestlers. Yeah, that was, like, Prime Divas era. Where yeah. They were, like, they weren't allowed to be, like, as raunchy anymore like they were in... Like the late '90s, early 2000s, they couldn't right. figure out what they were gonna do with them. Uh, but that did lead to them having that uh, reality show, the W on what I think it was on E. Uh, literally just divas, I think. Just yeah, it was just a different spot for it to have their divas still, basically. Yeah, which I am not too proud to say I have watched all of that show. I think. <laughs> It's it's trash reality TV, dude. It really is. But highlights have got to be like just the work shoot aspect of what was happening on the show because they were they were still maintaining like kayfabe on the show as far as like storylines and things like that. And oh, that's awesome. It was also great because you got to see like behind the scenes stuff with you know Cena, uh, Danielson. Uh, mm-hmm. the now known John Moxley, but then known Dean Ambrose, just being like you know the coolest bastard on the planet. Yeah, I love Moxley. 
You can't not love Moxley. He's got a authenticity to him that I really can't like overstate how much it connects the audience to him. He's yep. got a way about him. I really oh, appreciate yeah. it. Well, I, I think also WWE realized that they really could make money off of movies, oh, yeah. having their their stars in movies. Because, I mean, granted, uh, John Cena only did one of those Marine movies, but that was, like, the one that sold and actually made some made some money. Yeah. That movie was ridiculous. Which, if you know the backstory about that, a uh, little bit of why he's the Marine, it's because it was originally going to be Randy Orton. But because Randy went AWOL when he was actually a Marine, they pulled him from the movie. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's part of uh, Randy's uh, history. Before he was a wrestler, he was in the Marines for a very short period of time. And then he just said, you know, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore. And they, you know, dishonorably discharged him. Wow, I didn't know that. That's wild. Mm -hmm. And then I think think after the first Marine, that was taken over by The Miz. And he's been the star of, like, the six after that. I was going to say, I've never seen them past the first, so... They made sequels to that? Yes, they've made multi- yeah. many sequels. Oh. Now, uh, oh. if you're not aware, Mike, WWE makes tons of movies. They mm-hmm. are like what you find in the Walmart bin uh, when you're getting close to the checkout, primarily. Now I'm sure they're on like some you know other streaming services you know, all around the world, but... like. The Marine, there was uh, yep. something that Kane did uh, forever ago that they tried to tie into a storyline. Uh, yeah, that, uh, where he was a serial killer or whatever exactly. from hell. Yeah, See No Evil, that's what it was called. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he was in that. There's so many of them. Uh, one of the better ones that I've seen, though, is uh, Fighting With My Family, which is... Oh. Yeah. I have seen that. Yeah, it's got Nick Frost in it. It's got mm-hmm. uh, what's her name, Florence Pugh. Uh, basically, oh. just yeah, she's. Yeah. They're doing like the life wow. story of uh, Paige, now known as you know Soraya. Uh, okay. Okay. But, yeah, it's actually entertaining. You know, uh, it's you know, it's a little bit glossied up reality, but you know, whatever. That's what you expect with a w, with a movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, they've done. Uh, I don't know how many movies, and I'm just gonna like do a quick like Google search, and I'm sure there's like you can just scroll forever here probably because they've been making them since yeah 2000 yeah like 2003 ish. Oh no, this is just The Rock. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. So Scorpion King kicked it off in 2002. Oh, that CG was so bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. Oh uh, God. Although, I yeah, it was. It was awful. Like, no, this is barely acting. Like they got this guy. No wonder they got a wrestler for this because there's no acting involved in it. And then you go on to see like, I don't. Know, I think the next one I saw with the Rock and it was the Rundown. Yeah, I was like, oh, holy shit, he's really good. That was just like a year yeah. later. Uh-huh. But honestly, like, this is with, horrible CG and my brain connected it to the actor. I was like, "Ah, oh, this guy's not going to work out as an actor." <laughs> oh wait, no. He was just put in a really bad spot of, "Hey, we need you to do this, but we've got this Packard Bell 93 in the garage we're going to use to make you look like <laughs> a Scorpion King." You know what? I think at that point in time, he didn't care. He was just happy to be getting, like, a big kind of, like, red carpet role that he could be, you know, and, like, add to his it, resume. It got his name in acting, and, fuck, he's done well since. He's great at it. And I don't even remember if he spoke in that movie. His own movie. I don't know. Um, I, but didn't... It, it, I, I, it's been a while, audience, since I've seen it, but I could have sworn it was all like Conan style, where like he didn't talk. I think you're right. Yeah, 
Because at least it um, wasn't like uh, old school Arnold Schwarzenegger Hercules in New York, where they just completely dubbed over all of his lines. Right. With somebody but, like, else. I th- I, th- I want to say it was the rundown or um, whatever that other one was, where he's in the jungle and Christopher Walken's in it. That's the rundown. That's oh, is that the rundown? Yeah. Uh-huh. Whatever, the, whenever the other one is, then I don't. Walking know. tall, very the one where he Walking just uses the it's the remake, and he just uses like a two by four as a weapon. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which also was not that bad of a movie overall. Not good, but not bad. Same time, but it was kind of surprising. Yeah, that yeah. came out like a year after the other one. They uh, I, honestly, it just kind of proved that The Rock could be put into a role with voice lines and actually pull it off amazingly. Yeah, and. I mean, the guy makes bank now on movies. Sure, you know, occasionally he'll drop back in with, like, a WWE run. But, you know, he'll make an appearance here and there when he needs a paycheck or, you know, the actor. Yeah, keep the contract going. Yeah, well, because it, it, doesn't it, like, six matches a year he has to do? Hmm. I don't think they have him on anywhere nearly nothing that constricting. I think he oh. is on, like, a per-appearance deal where, like, he's got nothing going on and they want him for like say a Wrestlemania or something like that they'll just bring Mm -hmm. a truckload of money to his house for that one thing and then he'll make like two or three appearances to kind of tease it up if that okay okay I mean yeah as long as they're bringing the dump truck of money it's easy to do then but yeah yeah because I know with some of the legends they have to do like so many matches in a year or in, in like a certain year window yeah, like, uh, I'm not sure what Lesnar's contract is now, uh, but he's another one where he just kind of, like, dictates his schedule. He's like, I'm working these days, and I'll, like, you know, show up in between to, you know, make uh, a feud or something happen or to build up the show, but that's it, you know. Yeah, and, like a promo cut or something. And you know what? He's earned it, in my opinion. I know a lot of people give uh, Brock shit for being, like, a part-timer, but he's, he's put in the years. He's put in the time. He can mm-hmm. work like a son of a bitch. Like, Brock is one of those guys that is not only, like, naturally gifted, but he put in the work. Like, he understood how oh, to... Yeah. He understands the game. And he understands, like, mm-hmm. I gotta get paid. And good for him. Yeah, he uh, he's one of those that surprised me. I watched a video recently of his younger days... Uh, early on days, and he was doing uh, uh, salts off the top rope like it was nothing back then. Oh yeah, and not only and not only doing it, but like going halfway across the ring or more. Yeah, he could do a shooting star press from the top rope, like clear an entire ring like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. Yeah, he's he is not human in my opinion. <laughs> he is something else no. entirely. And like. He, he looks like, when he's going through the air, like he's like the size of Wolverine or something flying mm-hmm. through. It's it's gnarly to see. You you shouldn't... Like, you expect him to go up and straight down. But he goes up and then out, and then there's like a slight hang time, and then down. It's insane. Yeah, a guy his size shouldn't be able to move like that, but he can. And I'm all for it. Like, that's something that you almost never get to see ever and when somebody can do it, and they bust it out, it's amazing. Yeah, seriously. I mean, he he's he's really talented. Yeah. He doesn't show off all the skills that he has because he doesn't need to anymore. He doesn't need to, and also I think uh, there was a shooting star press he did one time uh, where he landed wrong. I think he landed mm-hmm. on like the top of his head almost, and they were pretty much like, "Hey, no, Brock, no, we, we can't have that happen. <laughs> you know, we need you." To oh, keep I think good. I remember that. That was on SmackDown, I think. Uh, I want to say it was like maybe against like somebody like Kurt Angle or something like that. Yeah, I remember that. That was when they were first bringing him out as like uh, almost like a Rampage Jackson type, but for WWE. Yeah, an unstoppable killing machine. Because that's yeah. what he is. Oh, man, I remember his debut. Everybody hated him. Everybody hated him. He played the heel so well. Yeah. I mean, he can do everything really well. Like, not enough people give Brock credit, but he's got some comedy chops. Like, uh, yeah. 
when he had the Money in the Bank contract and he was the, like, Brock party and using it like a boombox, dancing. Like, nobody expected that. But uh-huh. it's amazing. Uh, the, what was it, like, Heath uh, Slater came out, like, talking about, like, he was doing this gimmick of, like, he's a dad and he's got to feed his kids. That's why he's got to wrestle. And Brock just, like, under his breath, he goes, I don't give a shit about your kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he's got... Um. He's got he's got the chops. He's got the comedic chops. He's a monster, so he's terrifying. There's yep. no downside to Brock Lesnar in like almost any program. As long as they utilize him correctly, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's one of those we're gonna have to do like a full highlight spot on, seriously. Oh, I'm Because he's had it. quite the career. He's had quite the career. I mean, Not he, just in WWE, but in general. In yeah, UFC was a monster there too. Like you cannot like underestimate the, the sheer size, the power, and the. Unfortunately, the guy also has a lot of other stuff he can cover outside the ring because he's got a short fucking fuse. He's been known for some angry outbursts. You know whether or not they're justified. Yes. That's up to interpretation. But. <laughs> Let yeah. me tell you something. If I see Brock Lesnar coming my way and he looks pissed off, I'm not standing in his way. <laughs> yeah, honestly. I'll cross the street. I can walk <laughs> over there. It's fine. He's he's one of those guys where if you're, like, in the airport, you don't go up to him when he's, like, walking to his flight or whatever with his family and mm-hmm. say, hey, can we do a picture? You just give him the cool guy nod, just like, hey, what's up, dude? And yeah. you keep walking by, just like, hey, I recognize you. And you keep going back. Because he'll probably give you the nod back. He might just keep going. But you're not going to piss him off. Yeah. You're not going to sneak up on him and try and surprise him. Exactly. (laughs) Just jump on his back. Surprise! Guess who? Oh, my God. Well, if you jump in the right spot, he'll never be able to grab you. He'd have to smash you against the wall. And he would. Yeah, that's much better. He's got to get in the right spot. He wouldn't be able to reach his arms behind. To be fair, I don't think I have the wingspan to reach around and grab him either. <laughs> It'd be like Charles in the Colossus. He's got to grab one of his shoulder blades. There's <laughs> enough muscle around there where you can probably grab it like a rock on a, on a rock climbing wall. Yeah, all he has to do is be like, huh, I guess let gravity take over and fall straight back. <laughs> <laughs> Just put you oh, that'd be awesome. Like, what happened to him? Yeah, gravity. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Brock's up there as probably one of the all-time greats, and if anybody could realistically have broken the Undertaker streak, it was him, and I'm glad they went with him in the long run. Like, at the time, yeah, you sure you could have, like, given it to somebody else who, like, needed the boost to their career. But I don't think there was anybody that could legitimately have broken the Undertaker streak like Brock. Like, I don't think you could believe somebody else doing it. No. No, honestly. Like, some of the moves that he can do is, you would think it's like sheer strength, but it's really not. Like, the dude is just stable. Mm-hmm. Stable on his feet. But like, let me ask the dumb question. Yeah. What streak? Okay. Alright, so... This sort of thing became, you know, kind of a... The streak happened by accident, pretty much, with The Undertaker. Uh, Essentially, they realized after a couple of WrestleManias that he was in, that he was undefeated. And as the years went on, they would put, you know, Undertaker match on the WrestleMania card, and they would just keep adding to the number of him being undefeated at WrestleMania until... Uh, let me check what year here real quick, but it was Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker, and Brock was the first person to beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's see. Uh, what's the actual number here? I think it was 21. Yeah. Uh, the 21st one was against CM Punk. Oh, okay. Was it 22 then? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, 22. It was Brock, October 23rd, uh, da, 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 da. yeah, 2014 was the, was the WrestleMania? Yeah. It was but 2014 yeah. where the streak ended? I think it was either 2014 or 2015. Okay. 
Yeah, I definitely didn't watch a whole lot during that time, but I do remember all the hype around the streak ending. Yeah, WrestleMania 30. I've watched stuff after the fact, but yeah. Yeah, WrestleMania 30, yeah. And actually, uh, after that, he still had like a couple more matches at WrestleMania. He had one against Bray Wyatt, Shane McMahon, Roman, Cena, AJ Styles. Uh, The AJ Styles one is interesting because that was... Uh, like a pre-recorded one and they did like kind of like a cinematic match uh, but that was partially because of you know Undertaker's getting old he can't move like he used to anymore and he didn't want to sort of put on another like sad show in front of a live crowd again but you know you gotta hide the downsides to you know when you get up in the age well I mean Undertaker himself said like how many of my matches during the streak were awful matches? You only remember some of the ones near the end mainly because that's where they got good overall. Yeah. I mean, any of the ones with Shawn Michaels were amazing because, like him mm-hmm. and Shawn, like Shawn Michaels is so fucking good. Like he can he could put on a match with a broom, as the old saying goes. But it's Shawn Michaels. I mean, sure the guy's a prick and an asshole, and you know for a period of time a horrible human being, but he could wrestle. Like, he, mm-hmm. he could put on a great show no matter what. Yeah, he came back in uh, 2018, I think, he tried to do a comeback, where they did the whole uh, DX versus uh, Undertaker and Kane. Yeah, that was at um, uh, Crown Jewel, I want to say, yes. that they did that match. I think oh you're my right. god, we're going to revisit that match, because that is so sad. It's just yeah. four old men. Uh-huh. Like, on the verge of getting a concussion every two seconds and being yeah, like, just winded. It, this is like literally the sequel to Grumpy Old Men if they were all wrestlers. <laughs> like, it's depressing and sad. You see, they brought Shawn Michaels out of his grave or something, out of his old folks' home. No more hair on his head. Mm-hmm. He just looks like a grumpy old fucking man. And, like, immediately right off the bat, he can't sell anything. He um, he goes after Kane, knocks Kane's mask off. Mm-hmm. The, the match was awful. The match was yeah. just awful. I think that it was, was depressing. I think that was the first Saudi show that they actually did. I think you're right, and yeah. I do I do remember them the camera panning over the audience at one point, and people looked sad that this was happening before them. Like what? it was depressing for people that were literally there, not just the people having to watch it at home. Yeah, well, because I don't know exactly what the sort of, like, expectation in the crowd was, but they wanted to see, like, their all-time favorites, and instead they got these four old men who are no longer in even, like, basic wrestling condition, much less the prime Mm -hmm. of their career condition, just hurting themselves. And it, it... it makes me happy that they're all still healthy and alive right now, except for Kane, because, you know, he's turned into a garbage person. Yeah, yeah, he kind of went down the fascist pipeline real hard. Yeah, and Undertaker, unfortunately, has always been kind of a prick, you know? Yeah, but, I don't know, like, I, I respect the man a lot, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't feel like, overall, he's someone that... You could sit there and say he's like on Kane's level of awful. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a good human being, but he's not up there. Yeah, like he wasn't the worst person from the old school days, but he wasn't helping much either. Oh no, I mean, he was definitely more of the type at first to be just eating fucking Vince's boot. Oh yeah, like he like was, hard. He was like Vince's like go-to enforcer for a period mm-hmm. of time there. Like, I think there was a story about uh, somebody that ha- was having a match and they were worried that they weren't going to go through with uh, the so-called, like, the scripted finish. And, like, Tinker mm-hmm. was, like, reportedly backstage, like, taping up his fist if things didn't go right to just beat the shit out of him. Yep, yep. I mean, the one time I can say for sure he was on the opposite side of Vince with certainty is the uh, Montreal Screwjob. Yeah. Um, because he he definitely, he was on Hart's side on that one. 
Yeah, I think he had At least words a mediator afterwards. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, where he was just like, you know, giving them like the business for like you shouldn't have done that, but I also he didn't like actually like you know do anything about it. I think he threatened to leave uh, the WWE at the time, but that was it. Yeah, I, I mean that's a that's a whole episode on its own, honestly. Uh, Montreal Screwjob and the fallout from it. Um, that- that was when like wrestling became something different. Yeah, like the Attitude was, Era came out of it. Yeah, the Attitude Era came out of it. Vince McMahon being outed as the owner of the WWE at that point. Yeah, because before that he was just like an on-screen personality, like announcer dude. He wasn't like mm-hmm. they didn't talk about him being you know the guy in charge. Right, and I that's I think that's also when uh, Mr. McMahon. The, his character started when he started doing his run through yeah. WWE. Yeah, where he became like the villain, like the ultimate heel for the entire company. Yeah, so like it didn't matter who you were, like he was always, always looked worse than you. I mean, I think it was Stone Cold that went Yeah, because that's yeah. when the bombing of the limousine and everything. Yeah. And God, you do not get like, like Stone Cold was amazing and, you know, top of the world. But you won't get Stone Cold to reach the level that he reached without having Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon, as his enemy at that period of time. He was, that's what elevated the whole thing. We need to watch his promos because he had a way of just grinding anyone on the other side of the mic of him into the ground. Oh, dude, I know exactly where we start, too. We start when he won King of the Ring and Austin 316 became a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that was, uh, he was cutting that, like, just after he won on, like, Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was, like, the birth of, like, you know, that was, like, Stone Cold becoming a whole character at that point. Because up until then, it was just, like, you know, Steve Austin. And right, stunning Steve and all that kind of stuff. And he got some like he developed that character, I think, in ECW, but he came into his own right there at that moment. I think. Yeah, I think he refined it when uh, he was going after Jericho and doing all those promos and saying what, <laughs> and got what started. And people um, hate him to this day for it. Yep, yep. Like he just. Uh, I don't know. He's a different breed of promos. You don't you don't get promos like that anymore. Yeah, Austin's another one who like people don't give enough credit for his comedy because he was hilarious mm-hmm. too. Especially when he turned heel. Like, I think half the time he was just trying to make like everybody else on screen with him crack up, but he was he, at the time you know nobody appreciated it because they were just pissed off that he turned heel because they didn't want like the the ultimate awesome kick-ass baby face to be a bad guy. And they were just pissed off. Yes, yeah, when he started long hair and everything. No, no, this is after. This is when, uh, like, later on, towards the end of the Attitude Era, when he uh, oh, like, sorry. joined forces with Vince. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, okay. he became, like, a corporate sellout. Like, that period. Because he was hilarious during that period. Like, him and uh, Kurt Angle were just fucking hilarious together those two like the thing with like the cowboy hat where he got like a regular size one and then like Kurt Angle got like a little kid's one his little tiny cowboy hat it's fucking great (laughs) so fucking good yeah well I don't know if you remember any of these any of these days at all very little I know we're gonna I'm making uh, like a mental list of things that actually like put in front of you to sort of like get these built into your brain to understand more of like just how the vibe was during these different eras because I've been like in the process of like coming back to wrestling one of the things I've discovered is that there was a lot of love for something that completely passed me by and that was TNA and like the like in between the era of like that, like WCW's fall and AEW becoming a thing, like TNA was the next closest competitor, and it's kind of like like watching like a bad B movie from what I've gathered from it because 
you've got like they spent all the money on hiring these you know older guys from WWE, and then they've got like a ton of like great young talent like Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, uh, the like these tag team up beer money like all of these guys, and some of it is amazing, but also some of it is like okay, we've got Kevin Nash who can't move anymore. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then they bring in Hulk Hogan, in his who also can't move anymore, and Bischoff uh-huh. from WCW, and they start taking creative control, and things just start getting wild and worse. And I think Vince Russo was brought in there too, and it's just like it starts off with like, oh, this is promising, and it starts building a little bit, and then there's a strat like just a huge downturn from the creative aspect where things just get bullshit crazy mm-hmm. uh, so don't give con- creative control to people who have suffered way too many concussions probably oh yeah oh yeah oh you couple that though with uh hulk hogan's ability to just be a raging dick 24 7 to anyone that is, he feels is beneath him which is everyone that is uh <laughs> He has a history of not throwing people over when when it's their turn. That is actually very prescient to something that I want to visit with uh, you guys some point in the very near future. Uh, It's um, Hulk Hogan was coming back to WWE and they were doing a program with Shawn Michaels and Mm -hmm. the original idea was they would do uh, three matches with a payoff being, like, at a pay-per-view or something like that. And uh, there was going to be, like, a bit of, like, back-and-forth booking. Like, one match, you know, Hogan's supposed to win. Another match, Michaels is supposed to win. Another match, you know, they do a deciding one. Hogan decides, that's not going to work for me, brother, and they're only doing one match. Michaels Mm -hmm. gets pissed off about this, obviously, but Michaels, being the professional that he is, that is also a massive prick when he doesn't get his way, decides, we're going through this match, yeah, I'm losing, I'm going to make you look like a fool, and just oversells everything. Uh The word I've heard repeated is octopus in a washing machine to how he reacts to every hit, every move from Hogan, and it's one of the great comedic moments of all of wrestling history, in my opinion. Oh, God, when he takes the boot and yeah. he just goes flying across the ring, it is so freaking funny. He takes the piss out of him pretty much the whole match. Yeah, like there's a moment where he's like on the top of the turnbuckle just like laid horizontally across it and like Hogan's like hitting him with kicks and he's going, he's throwing himself all the way up into the air uh-huh. as high as he can and then bouncing yeah. back down on the ropes. Like it's <laughs> It's a thing of beauty. Like, just the p- sheer pettiness of Shawn Michaels cannot be topped when he's, you know, morally in the right, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, one of the few times where he's actually morally right. Yeah. Well, this is, oh, after he got, uh, this is after he got clean, I believe. It this, is. No, you yeah. are right. This is when he took, the like, a two-year break or something like that. Yeah, he went out, got up. sober, found Jesus, reformed his ways. Uh, yep. And, you know, I mean, I'm not a God person, not a Jesus-y person, but more credit to him, you know. That's what he needed to get clean and turn his life around. I'm all for it. Yeah, and we got to see him wear, a, like, an embarrassing cowboy hat for a while when he first came back. I, he still wears so, that, I think. Uh, he does. Yeah. He does. I think it has something to do with his eye. Like, he wants to take away attention from the eye, so he's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll wear this cowboy hat. People won't notice, maybe. <laughs> you should have just done what uh, uh, Mark Hamill did and just do like the weird comb over, even though you have a full head of hair. <laughs> oh, Mark Hamill. He's another treasure. He is a treasure. I love that man. Forever. So, those are that's just one of the things I want to add to like the list of multiple things I want to revisit with you guys. Like some stuff that we've, you know, missed, passed by, and like. Obviously, I still want to do, like, some other revisiting of, like, very specific, like, key moments that, you know, we're absolutely sure of that we've seen, like, Undertaker throwing Mankind off the cell. Um, Oh, yeah. The historic double turn between Bret Hart and Stone Cold in their Iron Man match. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just all of these, and obviously, you know, the Montreal Screwdrop. Absolutely, we're going to revisit that. Oh, Um, yeah. We need, to, we need to go over Bruiser Brody. 
Yes. That's oh one God. I'd love to highlight, because, I mean, a lot of people don't realize how dark the backstage type of stuff can really be with wrestling. Yeah. And a lot of these, like, older era stuff doesn't... I mean, granted, on YouTube, yeah, you might find the documentaries and such, but overall, these things don't get talked about that often. I mean, yeah, I think one of the things that, like, brought me back into wrestling was discovering uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Like, that... Yeah. Because... Like, now these guys are old enough and, you know, kayfabe is dead or whatever and, like, we're past the statute of limitations in most of these cases, so they're, <laughs> they're not longer afraid to speak out. But now we're starting to get, like, some of, like, the stories from, like, the real behind-the-scenes from, you know, the dark ages and, like, the early days of wrestling when it was still, like, hush-hush, secret-secret and, like, there wasn't reporting like there is now. Like, there wasn't social media. Like, everything uh-huh. was kept to the shadows and secret. And, like, now we can go back and, like, get, like, a full story on things that, like, were mysteries at the time. Yeah, and, like, not to not to bring it back to Hulk Hogan, I think he's kind of partially to blame for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a good thing, though. I'm glad this happened. I'm not saying, you know, like, his fault, oh, no. But, uh, he, uh, when he denied his steroid use and did oh, that yeah. awful that awful talk about how he wasn't doing steroids and it led to more investigations and not not just uh governments wise but uh journalisms or uh, journalists going in and, and investigating further it was it was we'll have to highlight that because that was just an awful awful interview yeah and like actually we can wrap that with like an entire we should spend like an entire episode maybe on just like the steroid trials because yeah. that ties into a lot of different things that we've talked about, like Benoit being one of them. Like, yep. that whole tragedy was, you know, at the time initially, like, it was combined with, like, drug use and steroids. And, mm-hmm. like, they were sweeping under the rug the more likely culprit, which was the, the concussions, the CTE. Right. Yeah. Because I remember that was the, the steroid panic that mm-hmm. went down. Yeah, it was Roid um, Rage is what they were blaming it on initially. Roid Rage, thank you. Yeah, Roid Rage. Uh, I remember Vince McMahon coming out and doing a whole spiel on like 60 Minutes or whatever, and he was getting grilled. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember at the time I was totally more on the side of the Roid Rage thing because we didn't really have the science. No, But seeing now, seeing now what uh, CTE really can do to the brain, it, it it's... It's a wonder that man was able to do anything. Yeah. Anything. And it's also not surprising that maybe that's had a factor in turning Kane into a massive prick. Probably. <laughs> he Probably. took a lot his... of unprotected chair shots to the head. And now his brain looks like a fucking pimento loaf. <laughs> oh my god, pimento loaf. Uh, that's making me hungry. <sighs> <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, moving on, I wanted to just go with, uh, something to carry us off into this last segment here with, which would be like, what's the last thing that you watched, uh, just recently? Like last show, last pay-per-view, last match, like what if, uh, what in the past like week or two, like what's the last thing that you were uh, sitting down that actually like pulled you in? Well, I guess I'll go first. Uh, the, uh... Match between uh, Dallas Page and uh, Dallas. Pa- oh, Hangman. Hangman. Yeah, uh, that match was insane. That was the last one I watched all the way through, completely. Um, that it's just a it's a wild match from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. The image of Hangman drinking blood is gonna stick with me for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still kind of like processing that, even even like like over a week out now from the last time we uh, we all sat down and had a talk. <laughs> uh, that matches something. That matches something. Yeah, that's it's a whole nother I mean, level. They literally all out. They went all out. <laughs> and you know what the the downside to that is. There had to be a match that followed that. Like, I know. I know. I think if they could go back, they would have turned that into the main event. I think so, too. I, I'm assuming they didn't think this was going to be such a heavy hitter of a match overall. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling 
that they uh, they called some audibles on this match. Yeah, like uh, swerve with the staple gun. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, although Hangman coming out there with his uh, child's finger painting, uh, that was that was pre planned <laughs> at least. <laughs> that was definitely part of the original process. Yes, but I I I just I don't know. I feel like they they felt the crowd and were like, you know what? Let's just keep this going for a little bit longer. Let's add some stuff to this. Let's go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing I actually sat down and watched was I was just watching, I was catching up on last, uh, the past week of shows. So I was just watching uh, Rampage from Friday night. Mm hmm. And I uh, started watching a little bit of uh, Collision. Uh, did you see, uh, oh, I guess that's another thing I, I watched, but uh, Randy Orton. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Randy Orton coming back. God, does he look jacked. Capital J, jacked I have never Seriously. seen that man so bulky. He was Seriously. always in phenomenal shape, but now he's just like... He's muscle on top of muscle now. It's strange. Oh, yeah, and, and leading in with those uh, those tweets and everything, with uh, going after Rhea, saying, I'm back. Oh, Daddy's Home? Daddy's Home, yep. Yeah. Yep. God. Randy Orton is another one we're going to have to spend some extensive time sitting around talking about because he has been quietly building like a legendary career, in my opinion. Yeah, I honestly, I think uh, any montage video of his RKOs <laughs> will prove that alone. The man has gone from a lane position to a standing jumping position within like a like four inch like gap to RKO someone. Yeah. He, and perfectly timed it. Yeah. I think a lot of people like wrote him off as kind of like a nepotism wrestling in yeah. his early years and he was probably too young, too cocky, too arrogant to really understand the industry at that time. But mm -hmm. over the years, you know, he he finally stopped being so much of a prick. He stopped being an asshole and he started taking it more seriously and it in my opinion it's paid off cuz he has become one of the all-time greats. I think so too personally. I think he's definitely taken charge in uh leading the newer generation of wrestlers in. Mm -hmm. Um I think he's a lot more humbled nowadays where he's willing to pass the ball along versus always needing to run it down to the end goal himself. Yeah. Um, I remember him in the early days, uh, I think it was like near the end of the DX stuff when he came in, right? Uh, Where he started yeah. popping up in WWE? Yeah, it was well, around WWF at the time. Yeah, it was around there, it was pretty early into his career that like, he came in, and I want to say it was only like a year or two that he was in WWE that like he started hanging out with Triple H and Batista and Ric Flair in the stable uh, Evolution. Yeah, yeah, evolution. That's what it was. Yeah. Evolution. Yeah, yeah, I think that was. I think that was really early in his like full like in his uh, main roster career. I don't know mm -hmm. if he spent any time in OVW, but that's something I could look into. Yeah, I don't. I most of the stuff I've watched recently because uh, my my girlfriend loves Randy Orton. That's uh, her favorite wrestler. Now I know audience. <laughs> uh, but I was Hold looking back. into some of the some of the videos and. Uh, He's got. I mean, he's had a great career. Yeah. I, I honestly, you look at it where he is now versus back then, and it's very understandable why nobody really liked him back then. Like he was so so full of himself compared to now. Now you can tell it's a shtick. That's the difference. Yeah. I mean, there was like one period back then where he had like an injury to his shoulder or something like that very early into his career, and he had been, you know, okay, well, he's injured, so he's not going to be wrestling. They did something with, like, uh, like a Randy Orton update segment where he would just, like, show up on camera in his arm in a sling just to give an update on how he's doing because he's like, I know you're all concerned about me. Uh, my arm's healing pretty good. Uh, healing a little bit faster than what the doctors are projecting, but I'm still going to be out for a couple weeks. You know, I'll see you next week for another, like, Randy Orton update type of thing. That is awesome. That's like all those, uh, uh, like, live streams and stuff that wrestlers do a bunch of times now while they're driving from one place to the next. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, 
they made that a whole series. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like some sort of like road show or something like that. Yeah, I, I want to say Bradshaw was on that for a bit, and JBL? he got real pissed. I think so. I don't. I, I don't quote me, audience. I don't. I'm not remembering fully right now. I just I remember a bit, like a moment, where he was on camera for this, and he was like, "Turn that fucking camera off. I'm not getting paid for this." Oh, I think that might have like Pac's uh, last like on-screen performance for WWE too. I think you're right. Because like he was like driving by uh, one of the production crews while they're getting ready to leave an event and he said, oh hey you guys are filming you know, insert name of the show here he goes, fuck that show <laughs> drove off. Yeah, yeah it was, it, was, uh, it was Pac, Benjamin Satterley. Yeah I think at that yeah. point he was that what they have him wrestling under the name Neville. Neville, yep, yeah, they, yep. He was like, turn that fucking shit off. <laughs> More power to him, though, man. He wasn't getting paid. Yeah, he's a guy. He's under no obligation. Yeah, he's a guy that got underutilized, and they didn't see how great he could be until it was far too late. Yep, yep. I mean, AEW used him pretty well for a bit. Yeah. I think he uh, got screwed over from uh, visa issues mainly. I think so too, but it was great to see him pop over. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah. it was great. Um, I'm trying to think of like some other stuff that happened in the past week that are worth checking out. Oh, uh, upcoming we've got uh, Christian and Adam Copeland on Dynamite on Wednesday in Canada. That should be good. Oh, yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, they had a heck of a in ring promo on uh, Wednesday. Uh, Fucking Christian's so goddamn good. Like, he's yeah. so fucking good. He comes out there and he asks, you know, Copeland to come meet him out in the ring. He's got a line of security and he's behind uh-huh. them and he's like, okay, we don't need the security out here, guys. You can you can go, you can go. And he starts going into this wonderful manipulative spiel about, uh, he's like, yeah, I was on the road, you know, I was driving. Uh, I started remembering about my mom's old Taurus that we, you know, we always, you know, do uh, road trips together and uh, Toby the Taurus <coughs> stuff like that. He starts referring to him. He's like, yeah, you know, you're my brother, this, that, you know, what would your dad want? You know, what would your mom want? I know you just lost her. And then, you know, he tries second Copeland's back is turned. He starts getting ready to smack him with the belt. Copeland turns around, hits him right in the nuts and tells, calls him a dumbass. He's like, you really think that would work on me? And he walks away with, you know, tell him to go fuck himself. Yep. Which the censors didn't catch in time. So that was a great moment for TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I gotta love it. I love that uh, I love that uh, dynamic that's going on now. It's so good. Yeah, those those two are two like legends walking among us right now. Seriously. Wasn't it uh, wasn't it uh, Copeland that started the You Suck chant for Kurt Angle? Yes it was. Yeah, I thought so. I thought yeah. so. That that still stuck to this day. Yeah, I mean, it took them a long time to embrace it, and mm-hmm. it's still fun to go back and watch some of the older stuff where they try to censor it out from the crowd shunting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's not doable. No, it's not. It makes it even tried. worse. It makes it even worse. Yeah. Oh God. Oh. It's basically like when I enhance the audio on our GM mode videos where it's like still not good but like you try yeah hey it, we're learning we're figuring things out we're getting better <laughs> oh no it's great no we've like that's it's honestly it's great going back to them and seeing some of those now as i'm editing the other stuff we do because like our audio is a lot better now we have hiccups don't get me wrong yeah. but our audio is a lot better now especially now that i moved my mic to the other side for the uh for the podcast i don't sound like i'm walking down an empty hallway <laughs> But, yeah, it's fun to go back and hear some of that because it's like, I'm blown out of proportion. You're low. There's no middle ground that I can find <laughs> that makes us both sound good, and you just kind of have to accept your losses. Yeah. It's just like, okay, well, people are just going to unfortunately give a shit for it, but we deserve it. Oh, yeah. It's 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 great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, God. One last thing before we, like, fully get into the breakout here. The... I gotta talk a little bit about our man, our chick magnet punk, little CM Punk, little Phil Brooks, little Pepsi man. A little so Pepsi boy. He was on Raw on Monday, 
and they're touting it up like the whole show. And the report is like his segment got cut down for time because something ran over. So uh-huh. he had like a five minute promo to close out the show, if that. They did like the cardinal sin with CM Punk in my opinion. He was just boring. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's, like, NDAs and stuff in place from his contract at AEW, but it was just, like, the most generic, like, white meat, like, mic work I've ever seen from the guy. Except for the one line where he, as the show's going off the air, he pulls the mic away from his face and he just says, I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to make money. Yeah, the Razor Ramon one. Yeah. The uh, Scott Hall line. Yeah. So I've been kind of thinking about that line a little bit. And uh, I think that's why the promo was so generic. Because he's letting you know, like, this isn't me. I have to do this for the money. Mm-hmm. That's why I go to my job. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> Derek, I think you're right on target with that. Like, I th- think this is going to be like his character like Mm -hmm. it's gonna be sort of like a the two-faced like good guy bad guy routine of like he's gonna be putting on like the fake airs of like oh no i'm a hero i'm here to you know do good things and also like occasionally like he's going to let that mask slip on camera for him to be like oh no i'm just here to get fucking paid fuck all you people i'm uh, actually a villain type of thing yeah so when we were talking last time where i we where i brought up that he's just going to play into the idea that he's going to be there for a short time get pissed and walk off mm. i think this leads into it look that's one direction they can go because honestly i think he's of like two minds right now mm-hmm. like I think there is the possibility that he is going to be on his utmost best behavior out of spite to everyone at AEW. Yes, yeah. It's going to be like he wants like people to think that, like, no, he wasn't the problem at all. Like, it was a problem with the company itself. Whereas, you know, right now people kind of believe, well, okay, well, he was just an explosive personality. Yeah, I think that doesn't help with the fact that Tony Khan was able to kind of get out ahead pretty quickly and seem pretty level-headed in front of the camera quicker than uh, than Punk. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, as much as people are going to blame Punk and as much as anyone can because he holds a lot of personal responsibility for how things went down, yeah. at the end of the day, a lot of this falls on Tony, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because he wasn't like putting in the effort to actually like manage these people and like get them to you know work out their differences and be able to work together. Right. Right. I think uh I think the the idea of it already becoming like WWE levels so mm-hmm. fast over the past was it like 5 6 years now? 4 4 4 years even shorter than. So it, it I mean I think it sells my point even more. They rose really quickly, and I think he lost sight of the details. Yeah, I, he stretched too thin. Like, there's only so much one guy can do. He needs mm-hmm. an infrastructure. He needs a support system in order to run a company. Yep. Like, and, and AW is, like, my baby. I love it to mm-hmm. death because it really is what ignited my love of wrestling again. Uh, but too. that doesn't mean it can't fail still. Yeah. And I think when it comes to punk, they fell short. They fell short and they fell like pretty hard from that. Yeah. And it, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sure it's you know, not going to be good for them as far as like ticket sales and ratings and him being a, you know, a draw, but mm-hmm. with the way the current company is set up, I don't think that's an environment that can support CM Punk. I don't think so either. I think that he needs to be able to have more free reign in the matches and the uh, the rivalries and stuff that he would like to have set up. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that those uh, those opinions should be listened to a little bit more. And I, they probably are right now at WWE. But at the same time, he needs like a short leash. He does, yes. I, I agree. He does still need a leash on him. But I, the man knows he knows wrestling. He knows what he can do. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's capable of. And I, I just feel like, yeah, keep him under control, but listen to him still. Yeah, he's got a he's got a fantastic mind for the business. He knows how to do damn near everything. But at the I same mean, time, he's got an ego to match it. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. The ego is what probably gets in the way with a lot of this. But I I think it's a budding of egos. I think Tony has just as much of an ego. He just hides it from the camera more often. Yeah, and unfortunately, like I feel like Tony Khan doesn't have like the managing style that's most conducive to some of the bigger egos uh, that you get with bigger star wrestlers. Like, yeah, he's too much of like your best friend kind of manager who doesn't know how to be a disciplinarian. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tony, if for some reason you ever watch this episode, my brother, this, this idea, it's yours. You can have it, but you have to freaking do it. Okay. You need to do a knockoff of the Mr. McMahon and do your heel streak and just be pissed at every single wrestler. Go out there and screw them over on their matches. Call them early. Say, nope, disqualified. Just go nuts for a little bit. Be the bad guy. See, that's the thing, though. I don't know if he has it in him because he's like, been on record that he does not want to be like an on-screen personality. I think it would help the business more. Yeah, and at the same time, it's the wrestling business. It's... It's built on lies. Like everybody, yeah. in, rest- everybody in wrestling lies constantly. <laughs> That's kind of the job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, man. But yeah, no, if you ever watch this and you want to do it, just take the idea, man. Don't worry. Just, yeah. just one time, just give me credit. Say this bald guy said uh, <laughs> I should do this, so I listened. <laughs> you don't even have to say my name. We'll know. He we'll know. know. Yeah. He's never going to watch this, but you never know. He never has the time. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Seriously. He's too busy flying around. Yeah, he's got five hours of TV to book a week on top of, uh, well, I think six or seven pay-per-views a year. He's still got the Jacksonville Jaguars. They still have uh, the football uh, team. Was it Fulham? Uh Uh-huh. AEW After Dark, don't forget that, the whole YouTube series. No, no, that's gone. That's gone. They got rid of uh, Dark and Dark Elevation. Oh, did they? Yeah. Oh, it's been a while since I've watched it. Yeah, that you haven't been able to because it hasn't been done. But Ring of Honor. Yeah, Ring Ring of Honor. Honor. Yeah. 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 I have no idea how much of that they're, you know, putting out still. Uh, There was something recently that popped up. I didn't watch it yet, but there was a whole Ring of Honor, like, belt thing that went on, it seemed. Yeah, there's uh, tons of stuff happening there. I gotta catch up on it. It's I'm way behind on Ring of Honor, just because like I think it's its own. It doesn't have like any sort of TV deal or anything that right now. It's on, okay. It's got its own service uh, on their website. I think it's uh, Honor Club. Okay. I don't know. I'll be the ninth person out of the eight people that already subscribe to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll just watch it uh, on here through you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, we, we got go. yeah, we're connecting people through wrestling. Oh, adorable. Yeah. Uh, to close us out. Uh, I, this might become a recurring thing, but I want to close us out with one of Hulk Hogan's lies. <laughs> uh, so can many you to choose from? Yeah. So what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking is, is you should ask Walsh this and ask him if it's a lie or a truth. Okay, okay, yeah. All right. Well, I kind uh, of already know. Oh, I have a feeling there's some truth that's that's shown there, too, not just the lies. Okay. Like okay. what here, the actual true one is. Uh, no, no, yeah, here, this is a good one. This is a good one on whether or not you can determine if this is a truth or a lie. Uh, this is back in, yeah, the 80s. WrestleMania two. The story is, after WrestleMania two. Hulk Hogan went partying with uh, John Belushi and and apparently uh, partied too hard for Belushi. So he 
had to leave simply because he couldn't keep up with Hogan and his drinking. Now, WrestleMania 2 took place in 1986. Oh, this has to be a lie, right? Yeah, this is totally a lie. Now, is it a lie because that didn't happen? Or what year did John Belushi die? Belushi died in 1982. Yeah. I was just getting... Yep, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Like, I... I'm pretty sure he died before I was born. Uh So, yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. (laughs) Was it the other Belushi? It could be. It could have been Jim. Yeah. That, that story kind of makes sense then, but it's like, all right, why'd you go partying with Jim Belushi? I mean, like, like I don't see Jim Belushi wanting to hang out with him. I don't see people wanting to hang out with him. I can see them be, end up being at a party together. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I don't see I don't see him going around and be like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out with Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I, I would not put it above Vince to pay a bunch of celebrities to show up to a party after WrestleMania. Oh, True. Just for the publicity of it, yeah. Uh-huh. That would yeah. make a lot yeah. of sense. I mean, the first... as much on that as yeah. the whole event. I mean, a big part of those early WrestleManias were the celebrity factor. Like, uh, you had Cindy Lauper, you had Mr. Mm-hmm. T, Liberace. Like, he was paying people to, you know, for that mainstream appeal to sell tickets. Yep, just get that big name in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, Ooh, I have one. If uh, I, I, I don't yeah. even have to read to to know this one. Okay. Uh, okay. Is this a lie, Walsh? Did Andre the Giant die just a few days after being body slammed by Hulk Hogan? No. No, he did not. No, it was like six fucking years later. <laughs> Hulk Hogan likes to say that it was like three or four days after he body slammed him. Yeah. And not only that. Oh, here's another one. When they faced off the very first time. Did Andre the Giant weigh 800 pounds? I don't think he ever did. No. No, he did not. No. Uh, sometimes he got billed at 500. That's probably a lie, too. He was probably, like, 400 on the high end. I don't know. He was very tall. He was. He was a very tall dude, but he was a lot of muscle and stuff. So, like, he maybe weighed, like, 410 or something, but, like, he was no 500 pounds. Yeah. He was no 800 pounds. Uh, I'm pretty sure he still uh, claims that he was the only person to body slam Andre the yep. Giant too. Uh huh. Oh yeah. That, oh, that's the, the other thing. Help with that shit. <laughs> uh, his on-screen uh, body slam was that the only time he body slammed him up to that point? I'm going with yes. No, they <laughs> practiced. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they what? practiced at a house show. <laughs> they did. No, they did. It, no, yeah, in front of a crowd. Of anger. Uh huh. No, there was a crowd. Yeah, there was a crowd. Uh, okay. According to Wikipedia, Andre the Giant was uh, about five hundred and twenty pounds. Okay, maybe I was wrong on that, but he was no eight hundred at least. Yeah, he was definitely. He was billed it because when Hulk Hogan brings it up, he says he's eight hundred pounds. Oh man, yeah, seven four. That's a big boy. A big boy. Oh man, yeah, he uh, he was definitely a giant. Hence the name. Oh, small world. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to call it here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining us on your night off. I'm Alex. This has been Walsh and Derek. Please remember, subscribe. We're on everything. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on social media like Instagram, TikTok, Maybe not Twitter, but we're there anyway, at Night Off Pod. Yeah, check us out on your next Night Off. All the buttons. Yeah. Remember, like, comment, share, subscribe. We appreciate it, and have a good one. We'll see you on your next Night Off. Have a good night, guys. Good night.